Alrighty, friends, welcome back to the Strong Stride podcast. You are here with your host, Lydia Mackay, for a cracker of a solo episode today. You, I'm sure, are super excited to hear it because you obviously clicked onto this episode. So, thank you so much for being here, taking time out of your day to listen to me ramble about running and running related injuries, which we're going to delve right into very soon. But firstly, just Thank you to all the listeners and thank you for the wonderful reviews which have been coming in and the subscribers. And if you're new here, then welcome. Welcome to the show. This is a show that is usually two of us here chatting, myself and my co-host and co-producer Sophie Lane. And we love to chat about all things running. Sophie is an exercise physiologist and SNC and I'm a physiotherapist specializing in runners and we both love to run and we like to provide education and also just a little bit of chit chat around the life of a runner. So thank you for joining. Today is all about um, injuries and why we continuously get injured and just generally why do runners get injured and where do we get injured? And so there's going to be some practical advice from today's episode Uh, But also just hopefully an opportunity for you to reflect on your injury history and get a little bit of an idea about why these injuries might have occurred and then some things that you can then take forward to prevent future injury. So opportunity for reflection, which I always love, and opportunity to prevent injury, which I also love. Uh, But before we get right into it, I'm going to give you guys a little bit of an update on my life. And when I say my life, update on my running life, because of course, it is a running podcast after all. Now, guys, you all know that I've been managing my proximal hamstring tear and I'm like five weeks, five weeks, five months down the track. And I feel like the last two or three weeks, I basically just felt absolutely nothing at all. It has been suspiciously quiet and my hamstring really has been thriving. Although in saying that, I am very, very nervous to say that. And the last two days have actually changed. My hamstring has been a little bit sore again, which I kind of wish I recorded this episode like two days ago so I could just tell you how great everything is going um but yeah we've had like a bit of a weird setback and I'm not entirely sure why which is a little bit frustrating I um did my first hill sprints on Tuesday which is super exciting and no symptoms day after and then like 35 hours later as well no symptoms and then I did some like heavier single leg deadlifts which I think that might have just like irritated a little bit uh, because I was sort of like trying to get into a range which I don't normally get into which is like literally exactly how I injured it hence why I'm like really trying to push into that range so that I can uh, expose my proximal hamstring tendon to that sort of more I guess vulnerable position and make it stronger and improve its capacity which is kind of on theme for today's episode so it's quite fitting that we're speaking about this or fitting that I'm experiencing this I'd rather not be although it does uh, give me an opportunity to test my knowledge and improve my knowledge and actually put it into practice because it's all you know well and good I think that's what we say it's all well and good to read the textbook understand the science but is quite different when you're actually applying it and even harder when you're applying it to yourself. And I think I'm realizing this more and more as time goes on that it is so hard to manage your own injuries when you're like right in the thick of it and you've got the emotional part of it too. 
I always think it's worth acknowledging the emotional part of an injury because I just think that we can't separate our physical from mental. And when we have an injury as a runner, it can be so hard mentally to deal with it. And I think that's because of so many reasons. I think there's an element of being frustrated about physically not working well and sort of like feeling let down by your body, which is definitely something I've experienced. And then there's the other part of not actually getting the endorphins that you'd normally get from exercise. And when we exercise, we feel good about ourselves. We get blood flow. We feel proud of ourselves. And you have that runner's high, which, you know, I don't believe that a runner's high is actually just about running. I think it's about getting your heart rate up for a sustained period of time. It feels damn good. And afterwards you're like, heck yeah, go me. That was awesome. Um, And then the other part is just socialization. Like when we are doing our sport and activity, we're hanging out with our friends that we do that sport with. And I am a super social runner. So when I have injuries, I find that it really affects my social life. So that's something I'm super aware of. And I like to make sure that I still find ways to connect with people either before, after a run, like whether I'm just meeting up for my friends for their post-run coffee and maybe I'm not doing the run or maybe I just do a section of the run or whatever it is. I, I think that's so super important. So I guess just my little like takeaway on this is if you have got an injury, like figure out what running provides you with, like endorphins, community, connection, nature, whatever it is, and see if you can find ways to include that in your life. Like for me, I love being in the ocean. I love I love being in the bush. I love trail running. So if I'm not able to run because of injury, I'm going to try and make sure I do a little bit more camping, um, be in the bush, be in the ocean a bit more, maybe go surfing a bit more or diving. And then connection, community. I'm just going to like go and hang out with my friends and like go for a walk with my friends. And then in terms of like getting that endorphin hit, um, swimming is really good for that. Gym, like a high intensity group class I find is really good. Obviously, so dependent on the injury, right? Anyway, this is such a ramble. Basically, my injury update at the moment is things are kind of going well. I think I mentioned a little while ago that I've got this hip situation and I think I've got some sort of irritation of my joint, although I don't think that's the case anymore. I've actually had three physios look at it now and there's definitely some things that I need to work on. Uh, My adductor strength is not as good as it should be and that's something I've known for a while Uh, and my hamstring strength still has a way to go which, you know, probably just shows that my starting point was probably quite low. I think hamstrings are something that I probably don't put as much work into as I do with my calf races. And that's okay because I'm working on it. Uh, But the frustrating thing is like, I've got these things to work on, but I don't really have any major differences side to side. So as a physio, it's always frustrating when you're like, yeah, my strength could be better, but it's like the same side to side. Like my injured side is actually slightly stronger, like fractionally stronger slash basically identical to my non-injured side. So still entire, not entirely sure of the source of my pain. And honestly, like the last couple of days, I've been feeling just so let down by my body. I'm like, come on, mate, sort yourself out. Like just do the good things that you're meant to do. I don't want you breaking apart. I've been doing my strength. I've been having my sleep. I've been resting, training hard, all those good things. And just, you know, navigating the niggles, as I say. So I will give you guys updates as they come. Um, at the same time, I'm uh, very stoked that my heel session felt really, really good. So I'm still like taking that as a win. And I'm thinking of going the bush this weekend and trialing a little trail run, which would be my first one back. Although given the little like 
reappearance of my pain again the last two days, I'm like, "Mm, it might be a trail walk, which is okay. So still in the air about that. I will update you guys next week. Um, Now, in terms of what's been happening with the podcast, guys, we have just had so many (laughs) fantastic episodes lately. I feel like Obviously, I just have to say that because this is my podcast, so I'm just going to say it's all great. But what I wanted to just remind you of is that our last episode, we had the wonderful coaching father and son duo, Jordan and Woz on, and they chatted all about coaching. And we also got to hear about Woz's health journey. And coming up in one week's time, when you're listening to this episode, it'll be on August, the week before City to Surf. What's the date of that? August the 5th, I believe. And there's going to be 100Ks up Heartbreak Hill which Jordan is doing. So uh, we've got all the the details. If you just pop onto the podcast app and go to our last episode, you can see the fundraising link because it is a charity run to save money, save money, donate money, uh, raise money. That's the one, raise money for heart research. So if you haven't listened to that episode then obviously this is for you. If you have, then you already know what we're talking about. Uh, I will be working on that day, but I plan to get there after work around two o'clock and go for some runs up the hill. So hopefully my hamstring will be good for that by then. That's the goal. Uh, but yeah, hopefully guys check out the link. If you can't get down there to support Jordan on his hundred Ks up Heartbreak Hill and you're not in Sydney, that's fine as well. Uh, you can check out the link, read about his story, listen to our podcast, share it on social media and donate to the cause and just like talk about it. Uh, that would be amazing and in terms of upcoming future episodes guys there is just so much exciting coming up we have we've got Aiden the sports dietitian coming up we've also got Dan Kavana or Kavana or Kavanay, um, who's a podiatrist, super interesting episode. We talk about tendinopathy, which, you know, you guys know that's one of my favorite chats. And what else is on the cards? Just so many things, so many things. Sof and I are still admissed, admissed amongst, um, admissed planning. I'm not sure if that's a word, guys. Um, we are planning our Sydney running food tour. If you guys are keen, uh, let me know, let us know, send us a message on Instagram because basically we're going to have a food tour around Sydney, but it's like running and I'm so excited. I just think it's going to be so fun. Basically, it'll just be like you run and then you stop for like a smoothie and then you run and you stop for a coffee and then you run and then you stop for a snack. So the plan is it's going to be like an ultra, so a big long run. Now, Sophie Lane's trying to shut me down on that. She's like, no, it should be 30Ks and I'm like... Nah, we're going big, we're going long, we're going for the Sydney Ultra Running Food Tour. And I just think it'll be so fun. So yeah, if you guys are keen, let me know. Currently, I don't know if my body will be handling this distance. So I don't know when it will be, but I'm hoping by, I'm going to say October. I feel like October might be the month. October sounds like a good month. And there's not, you know, Sydney Mara will be done. All that jazz will be done. So hopefully everyone will be fit and thriving, ready for the food tour. If you've got any recommendations for like nice bakeries or like nice cafes with like little treats or, you know, just some nice like classic runner's snacks. And of course, we will finish somewhere for a good beverage and yeah, open to suggestions on all of that. And other thing that I'm open for suggestions on is running tracks in Tassie because I'm thinking of sneaking down for a little weekend coming up very soon because I 
I've ended up with an extra day off, which I want to take advantage of. So thinking of doing just a little like two day weekend, which I know it's kind of short for Tassie, but um, the reality is my body probably couldn't handle too many consecutive days of long trial runs. So we will just see about that. Anyway, I reckon it is about time for me to stop talking about all those random updates and start talking about the episode topic today, which you guys are going to get so much value from. And I'm so excited to talk all about injuries and why runners keep getting injured. Now, running injuries suck, as you all know. And the last couple of solo episodes, I've been taking you through a specific injury, talking about the detail, talking about some anatomy, talking about like why we get it, the risk factors for that specific thing, and then what we can do about it and some gym-based rehab. So if you haven't listened to any of those, definitely scroll back through the archives, have a look, have a listen. And don't worry, there'll be way more to come because there are so many different injuries that we get. And so I'm going to deep dive into some more. But I thought now would be a good time to sort of pause on that and do a bit more of an overview of just generally like where do runners typically get injured and you guys will have a bit of an idea I'm sure because you're all runners and you have a bit of an idea because you probably had many of these injuries Um, but I'm going to talk about more generally like why are we getting these injuries in these particular places and are there specific risk factors across men, women, age, all those things and then delving into a little bit more detail on different body parts and the specific risk factors for those areas. And then from my experience, the mistakes that people tend to make with their training decisions. And then probably the most important part is going to be talking about the rehab mistakes that I see because I'm a physio and I treat runners day in and day out. And there is so much that I see that I think, oh my goodness, like if we had just not done this or if we'd just done this differently, like your outcome would be totally different. You'd be running faster, not like faster, but back to running faster. Um, your rehab journey would have been quicker. It would have been more complete. You wouldn't be getting future injuries, like all these things. So there's so much that we could miss. And I think like I was mentioning before, it's tricky because there's emotion tied up, there's ego tied up, there's this like desire and hunger to just like keep going and push. And uh, also like sometimes we just don't know. And I think about myself before I was a physio and I definitely made some mistakes and I like I had gone to see physios and gotten help and yet still like kind of screwed it all up somehow. And I think partly like you know, partly I, maybe I didn't see physios that had a super interest in a super interest, had a specific interest in running and, or I didn't follow through. Like I was the worst patient. So sorry to like, yeah, I I was not a good patient. So even though I'm like telling my patients to be really good patients and do the homework, I was terrible. Like I did my homework so well, but I did not follow back up. I didn't go back to the physio. I went once or twice and I was like, look, I can't afford it. I don't have the money and I can't go back. And it was so silly because it just cost me more in the long run. Like not only in time, years and years and years of having same injury year after year and just like never getting it sorted. Like it wasted all that time. But then I actually did waste money because I would just randomly buy new shoes thinking that the new shoes would help. And then I would... um, just spend money on like extra things that weren't helpful things like um massage or like a theragon and like i'm not against those things definitely go for your life i have a theragon and i love it although i hardly use it to be completely honest um but yeah it's just like 
it, well, it wasn't great. And then I would have to go and see somebody else. I'd see a new physio or I'd see a new exercise physiologist, see someone different to try and help me. And it just, it was just so silly. The other thing is like race entry, I'd like enter all these races. Well, not all these races, but enter races and then not be able to do them. I think City to Surf as a kid, I entered that. Well, look, my parents entered that. So thank you, mom and dad. I think four years in a row and I never got to do it because I always had these silly damn injuries. Now, obviously as a kid, it's different. You're growing, blah, blah, blah. Like I fractured my ankle playing basketball. That wasn't my mistake. Obviously it was my mistake, but it wasn't my fault, I guess. Well, maybe it was. Uh, Anyway, this is such a tangent. Uh, But I guess what I'm saying is like, you are letting yourself down if you don't follow through with the treatment that you've sought after or seeked, sought, sought, sought. Uh, so if you are wanting to get yourself back on track or treat an injury, if you just like go and see someone once and then don't really follow through, it's like, well, you're just wasting your time. You're wasting your money. You're wasting the um, health professional's time. And I'm not trying to be harsh or rude because like, you know, that's also just life. Sometimes it's just not your priority. But if you really have running as something that you want to be able to do without pain and you want to be able to enjoy it and you want to maybe improve performance or maybe just have it something that can be part of your every day every week you know go for a couple runs a week whatever it is um, you're just gonna get so much more out of it if you follow through doing the proper rehab so let's go right back to the top and talk about some of the research and what it says about where runners get injured. So I found this systematic review, a 2021 one, which is probably the most recent that I could find that was actually looking at generally where runners get injured. Now, we probably have some guesses, our legs. We don't usually get injured upper limbs, although I guess it can happen as well. Uh, It totally can happen, but just not as common. Um, But the injuries that we mostly get are Achilles tendinopathy, Medial tibial stress syndrome, which M, it's MTSS or shin splints. I've got a whole episode on that. Um, I think I've got a whole episode on Achilles tendinopathy as well. Patellofemoral pain syndrome, again, have an episode on that. Um, Plenty fa- <laughs> plantar fasciitis or plantar fasciopathy, as it is now called. Uh, and then ankle sprains. Now, that's talking about the injuries that are the most frequently reported or the highest incidence. But then this next list that I'm going to go through is like the highest proportion of injury prevalence. So like the ones that people have for most of the time. So I guess that's I'm saying that just to let you know, because ankle sprains is something that it definitely happens for runners, but it's not it's not like something that people are just having all the time. It's not actually that it's not actually that common when we look at what people are like dealing with on a day to day. So the ones that have a higher higher prevalence is patellofemoral pain. MTSS, plantar fasciopathy, IT band syndrome, and Achilles tendinopathy. So that would also just reflect my experience as a physio treating runners. Every single day we see, or I see, patellofemoral pain, MTSS, plantar fascia, um, ITB, Achilles. Like they are just all all the time. And obviously there are so many other things that we can injure, um, like hip flexor, like anything around the groin area, our lower back, neck even, like see a lot of people that have trouble with like the upper traps when they run. That can be related to breathing or it can be related to carrying a pack, like heaps of different things. Um, but the most common ones are knees and ankles. And I'm going to break that up a little bit um, later on about, you know, knees and ankles and why we get injured at those different spots. But it is also worth noting that this uh, research or this systematic review and a systematic review looks at a collection of different 
research papers. So it's not just one author saying this, um, but they found that the incidence of injuries across different anatomical locations between ultra runners and non-ultra runners weren't actually that different. So whether you're doing shorter distances or longer distances, your injury locations are still pretty similar. So you're still going to end up with those same injuries, which I thought was pretty cool because you often hear people talking about, oh, like ultra runners, like they, they get all these blah, blah, blah. But it's like, well, you know what? We all get the same stuff. We all get the same injuries because we're still running, right? Like, And that makes logical sense to me. Like we're still running. It's the same activity. Obviously it happens over a longer period of time. Like an ultra runner runs for longer, um, but you're still going to get injured in the same places. Uh, if we go back a little bit in time to 2015, uh, I went through a systematic review that was published back then. And again, systematic review looks at a whole collection of papers. And this is sort of trying to break down between men and women, like the differences in where we get injuries and what the risk factors were. And to be honest, they were very, very similar. I don't think it would be worth breaking that apart too much. Uh, in my own experience, I definitely do see some injuries are a little bit different popping up in men and women because our anatomy is different. Although when it comes to running, it does tend to be pretty similar across the board. So across the board, um, women were actually at a slightly lower risk for sustaining running related injuries than men. Um, and that was what that systematic review found. And I'm going to link these in the in the uh, bio, uh, the caption, the description, whatever it's called. You guys know the gist. Uh, so yeah, women slightly lower risk, uh, although not hugely lower, which, you know, I think that's probably fair enough. I think I'm going to just guess that women just tend to pace themselves a little bit better. So I wonder if that's why. Uh, and maybe men this is like such a huge stereotype as well, by the way. Um, but there is that stereotype of a man being more sort of ego driven and what, what is it like not being able to like show fear or show, I don't know what. Um, but you know what, I'm just totally like having a bit of a guess. Uh, I don't know exactly why that is. And it wasn't hugely different. It was just a tiny bit. Um, when we actually break down, like what makes us more likely to get an injury, the main stuff was having a previous injury history. So if you've had an injury in the past, you are more likely to have a future injury, which is so annoying and frustrating. So like the more injuries you have, it's like the more likely you are to get injured basically. And from my experience, I interpret that as it can be a few different things, but mostly I would think that that's related to the weaknesses that we tend to develop on an injured side. So we have an injured side, we have pain, we get this thing called pain inhibition where our muscles tend to sort of wind down, like they don't put out as much as they used to. And that's not because we've necessarily lost strength, but pain inhibits that muscle output. So when we have that happen, if that goes on for long enough, we actually do lose strength. So we actually can atrophy a muscle. So my interpretation of that previous injury increasing our risk to me makes a lot of sense because if we have pain, we tend to we tend to lose muscle or lose strength. So that's something that I see pretty common in the clinic. And also see a lot of people with injuries all on this one side. And it's not that they're actually running that much different side to side. It's actually just that they're weaker on that side. So yeah, definitely um, very interesting there. Uh, so something for you to reflect on. And then the other most important thing that sort of came up was someone who is an inexperienced runner. So someone who's been running for between zero and two years or someone who's restarting running and not entirely sure what the definition is of restarting. But yeah, if your history is like between zero and two years, 
then your risk is going to be higher. And then the last one, which was really important, was um, volume of running. And this is just like, it makes me laugh. So for women, it said a weekly running distance of 30 to 39 miles. And for men, it said over 40 miles or between 20 and 29 miles, which is a little bit specific. But I think what that's talking to is like, basically, if you run further, you've got an increased risk. Or if you're a noob and you're sort of just running less because you're a newer runner, then you're also going to be that category of just like getting more injured. So beginner runners get injured heaps. If you do a lot of running, you get injured heaps. And if you've had a history of injuries, you get injured more. And I think it's probably pretty logical if you just look at that. So I I guess from that, probably the most practical bit of advice would be be really, I guess, honest with yourself about what your capacity is. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more in just a few minutes, but not thinking that your ability is better than it actually is. And I don't want that to seem harsh or suggesting that, you know, you're not that great if you've only been running for a couple of years, because that's not true at all. You might be very talented, very fast, very hardworking, all those good things and have a history of other sports, blah, blah, blah. But your actual running experience is going to be a lot less than someone who's done a lot more. And if you've done less, then you're just so much more likely to get injured. And I will talk about why that is in just a few minutes. So yeah, I just be really honest with yourself. And I think for me, I've run since I was like eight, seven or eight, yet I've had a lot of like stop starts to my journey because of various different different health issues. And I feel like in some ways I sit in the experienced runner category because I'm 26 and I've been running since I was eight. So it sounds like a long time. Yet I know the reality of that is I've probably only had a year in a row of actually like running over that whole time in my life. Like pretty much it's always been broken up with like six months on three months, sorry, six months on a year off, three months on a year off, two months on a year off. Like it's just been very up and down, which I think has really increased my risk of injury. So hence my recovery from the hamstring. I've been very conservative, very slow, not adding in much speed, not adding too much heels, like taking everything as slow as possible. Because for me, it's just like, there's no rush. Like I don't need to get anywhere fast and I don't see the need to push my rehab. And I I think it's important to be realistic about what my capacity is and what my tolerance is. Yet I also can appreciate that my tolerance is still very different to someone who's only run for a couple months. Like if someone said to me, hey, Lids, do you want to come for a 50K run tomorrow? I'd probably be like, yeah, let's do it. Like I don't have any fear of like totally falling apart. And I just do it and it'd be fine. But I wouldn't encourage everyone to do that unless they've done that sort of stuff before. So being honest with yourself, really honest with yourself. All right, moving down. Um, so yeah, summary is volume of running, inexperience and previous injury risk. Now, when we think about the types of injuries that runners get, acute injury is actually super, super rare. So we do roll our ankles and fall over and land on our knee And I I always say this to people like, you know, you might fall out of a tree and break your arm. Like, I don't know who is falling out of trees and breaking their arms, but those sorts of injuries don't happen that much 
as a runner, even as a trail runner. Like we actually don't fall over that much. Um, I've done a lot of trail running and I have just hardly seen anyone fall over. Probably seen people fall over just as much on the road, which again is very rare. So 80% of our injuries and overuse injuries, at least that's what I found in the research. Now, I actually am going to say that from my experience, I think that it's more like 95% of running injuries are overuse. I just almost never see acute sort of running injuries. Pretty much everything is about training error, training error and well, yeah, training error. And then, you know, those other things like volume and experience, previous history, blah, blah, blah. So Something that I made a big mistake of is not understanding the fact that our cardiovascular system actually adapts at a much faster rate than things like ligaments, tendons, cartilage, and bone. And I had this like terrible yo-yo pattern, which I just mentioned before, of where I had an injury and I like did my rehab. I, as I said, like I wasn't the best physio patient, yet I because I didn't like turn up to appointments such like I just didn't follow through yet I was so diligent about doing my exercises so I did all the strength in the gym and now looking back I don't think I actually the best job of that because I think I just didn't have the education which I would have been able to gain if I'd actually gone back to see my physio but I didn't because I was a terrible patient so don't be like me and I think I mistaked my capacity in the gym for capacity running so I, at the time, like we're talking over a span of like six or so years. So I'm kind of like the timeline might be a little bit all over, but I was doing a lot of gym training, like mostly like strength-based stuff. And then I also was doing high intensity interval training as like a cardio type supplement for running. And I also would swim. And when I could, when my body handled it, I would do things like hop on a bike, hop on a rower just to like get my heart rate up and have some sort of sustained cardio activity, which I really enjoyed. And I felt very cardiovascularly fit. I felt very strong. I felt very capable of pushing myself, of gritting it out. And I like didn't ever have pain or any issues doing that. Like it, it always felt really good. And so I would be feeling great. And then I'd be like, oh, cool. Like I'm going to go for a run now. And I wouldn't have run for like a year and I would go and do like a 20K run. And I'd be like, cool, that feels fine. Like cardiovascularly, amazing. Like I'm really strong for in the gym. Like 20Ks didn't even feel hard. It felt very comfortable, felt very good. And I'd credit that to like all the stuff that I did in the gym, like a lot of strength and then a lot of things like jump lunges and uh, I guess sort of like cardio stuff that complemented the strength work, which just got me used to having that feel feeling of fatigue in my legs and being comfortable with that. This is also not, not, I'm try, not trying to put too much detail into this, but I'd then go for a run on the weekend and do this long run, which felt good, felt fine, pulled up fine the next day, then go my whole next week, do my normal stuff, and do the same thing next weekend, but 25Ks, and then 30Ks. And then within a couple of weeks, I was like, yeah, I can do like 35Ks, no worries. And very soon, as you can imagine, everyone listening, I'm sure you know what happened, I, I'd get an injury pop up. And so, of course, I like, don't run and like try and do all the things that I can do. So my strength, my cardio, all that stuff. Um, But I never just like gradually built running tolerance because I was like, I don't need to, like, I don't feel tired after only five Ks. Like, I feel like I can go further. I feel like I can keep going. And to me, it just didn't make sense. I was like, I'm fit and strong. Surely I can just like go and run that distance. But it is so different having the conditioning for running compared to conditioning for the gym or cardiovascular conditioning or strength. And there is a huge trans 
transfer of strength in the gym, but the most common tissue that gets injured for a runner is tendons. And tendons, you can definitely load them in the gym and you can load them doing, I guess, like highly repetitive, uh, actually, hang on, no, that, um, that's, not, that's not even true. It's very, it's very hard to load a tendon going to a group fitness class, unfortunately. And it's even hard to load it just in your general strength training. Like depends what you do. You totally can. Um, but tendons respond really well to heavy, slow load. So for example, Achilles tendon, so super common to get injured. Unless you're doing a calf raise off the step, like off the edge and like getting a really long stretch through your tendon, a really good contraction, it's heavy, it's slow and it's low repetition. You're not really going to be getting that sort of adaptation. And if you're not doing that sort of stuff for the tendons around your knee and around your hip, um, like it's quite specific sort of stuff. So either you do this really gradual build up to running, which everybody should do anyway, um, or you're doing these like super specific things in the gym. It's really hard to just go from zero to a hundred with your running. And yes, people do it, but they usually break down and it's not sustainable. And I think that's the thing that I used to always feel frustrated by because I was like, well, I can do it. Like I can just go and run this distance and it doesn't hurt. And it feels fine. But the truth was that wasn't sustainable. It was fine once a week. It was fine once a week for a month. But after a little while, that caught up with me and it caused issues. So it's something that I've really had to be honest with myself about. And now I have a so like a huge respect and so much more understanding for like what my body can handle and understanding that my cardiovascular system is gonna adapt so much faster than all of that running adaptation ever can so if you're someone who's like fit and strong from doing other sports just remember that yes there is a transfer of that to running but be realistic about how much of a transfer that is and don't get too ego hungry because a gradual gentle return to run or learning to run building into running is so undervalued and I would say that's my biggest mistake which we're going to talk about that very soon but let's just break down now about the different Um, different areas of injury. Now, I recently went to a a seminar down in Melbourne at La Trobe University and the wonderful researcher Rich Willie presented. And oh my goodness, if you know anything about running and about physio and about research, like Rich Willie is the guy, just type in his name and oh my goodness, he is the guy who knows all the stuff. And he was presenting to us about Um, presenting different research on different types of injuries and where people get injured. And something that he presented was something that I actually had experienced in the clinic, but actually didn't know was supported by research. But adolescents and younger people get injured more commonly in our knees and we more commonly get things like bone stress, so bone injury. Whereas when we are older, like a master's athlete, gets way more soft tissue injuries. So things like glute tendinopathies, plantar flexor tears, Achilles tendinopathies, and um, plantar fasciopathy, which we've spoken about before. So it's crazy because I just never had really sort of thought that there'd be research on that, but it makes a lot of sense. It's something that I see all the time. Younger people, heaps of knees, heaps of bone stress. And it's funny because often there's that thing of like, oh, my knees are old. Like I've got old person knees. And like, Uh, yes like uh, I mean whatever that means that could be so many different things but knee pain is just so common in young people so it's definitely not an old person thing quote-unquote old person thing I see a lot more like hip 
pain, like glute tendinopathy, which is a soft tissue injury in older people. Um, and when I say older people, like a master's, I think master's is considered like over 35 or over 40. So it's actually really not that old. Um, well, I mean, it's not old at all. Gosh, slash also, what even does that mean? It's all just a number. Uh, now, if we think about what is actually contributing to running, uh, the things that are working the hardest are our plantar flexors, which you guys should know that because I've done so much chat about calves, about our Achilles, about all those muscles that help to push us forward. I think, again, like when I reflect on my understanding of running as a child or a kid, like training for cross country, I thought it was my quads. I was like, definitely my quads are what do the running. Like my thighs, they are what work the hardest. And yes, don't get me wrong, they do work, but they really just don't do nearly as much as the plantar flexors or the calves. So number one is the plantar flexors. Next up is the quads after that. And then we have hamstrings and our iliopsoas, which is our hip flexors. And then after that, we've got our glute, our gluteus maximus. And yeah, they all are important. They all have to work. But I think it's worth understanding that the plantar flexors do the hardest job. So if you are neglecting them in the gym, then you're going to have a hard trouble. A hard trouble? Yeah, you guys know what I'm saying. And I guess if there was one thing that you took away from this episode, which is basically every single episode I do, it would be do some calf raises, heavy, slow calf raises. Now, plantar flexors or calves. Now, plantar flexors just refers to the muscle group that is responsible for plantar flexion, which is where you like point your foot. I used to do ballet. I was a ballerina. So that is called pointing, but it's just like dropping your toe down or like pushing off the ground. So the plantar flexors are our main propulsion muscle and they also help support us vertically. So they help us to go high and help us to propel forward. And those muscles come down and connect into the Achilles tendon, which is is going to be mostly loaded actually when we're at peak dorsiflexion and peak dorsiflexion is usually at mid stance and in particular when we're running up a hill you actually get into more dorsiflexion so dorsiflexion is when your toes come up towards your face and I would call that just flexing your foot back when I was a ballerina it was pointing and flexing uh, but it's called dorsiflexion so up a hill more dorsiflexion more Achilles tendon load more calf load more plantar flexor flexor load and then just at mid stance too when you get more dorsiflexion you get more load so if you're a runner who goes into more dorsiflexion just naturally you're actually going to get more um more plantar flexor load so your calves will work way harder Uh, and that's you know a bit of a biomechanical thing which we could probably do a whole episode on um, but probably save yeah save that for another episode um some numbers here guys so 5% 5% uphill, like a 5% uphill gradient will equal an increase in 12% of ankle power required, which is huge. Like 5% is just this teeny tiny little hill and 12% more power is required. If we run 20% faster, we've then got a 13% increase in calf or plantar flexor power required. So this is so important because Achilles is like one of the most common injuries that we see in the clinic and calves so super common and, and just like so neglected frequently all the time, the poor calves. And if we have a good understanding of the fact that just a little bit of an increase in pace, a little bit of an increase in uphill, we're going to get so much more work at that calf. So now I look, I might be exaggerating a little bit. 12% doesn't sound like a huge amount, but if you've already got a little bit of a niggle or an injury and you start pumping the hills, start pumping the pace, 
you know, it's a recipe for disaster. It may not catch you that week or, or for a few weeks, but it is likely to eventually catch up with you. So the first thing that you could do if you do have a injury at the calf or Achilles is to actually um, adjust your heel running or adjust your speed. And as far as I'm concerned, it's a fantastic way to moderate your training and sort of be a little bit smarter about how we can manage our load. So if you've got a bit of a niggle in that area, like for instance, if my calves are a little bit tight and maybe a little bit sore, the first thing that I'm going to do is run a little bit slower because that's just going to allow my calves to recover that little bit better. I don't not run. I don't just be like, oh my gosh, my calves are tight. My calves are sore. Oh my goodness, I can't run. I'm going to be like, no, I'm going to run, but I'm just going to run 20% slower. Or I might just reduce my heels. Now, we want to be careful with this too because we don't want to just get into this trap of being like, oh my gosh, don't load anything too much. Run as slow as you can, no heels. Because if we do that, then we're just going to decondition. And then when we do run on the heels, our calves won't be used to that. So avoiding things altogether is not a great idea. Now, if we move on to the knee, it's kind of the opposite of our plantar flexors. So knees tend to get injured more when we aren't as strong through either our quads or our glutes. And we are running more downhill. Now, the knee can be a bit of a tricky one because we do, like there's definitely lots of knee conditions that hurt going up a hill as well and hurt in particular going up steps. Yet typically uh, downhill is more problematic for knees and quite frequently I'll encourage patients to do some uphill treadmill running, which sounds awful, but just a little bit of an incline can be fantastic if you've got a sore knee. So if you're um, managing some ITB, ITB pain you could literally just like if you know if you're training at the gym go to the gym put the treadmill on pop it on just a little bit of an incline and do some running like that just to manage it a little bit um, but things like our quad strength our glute strength are going to have a big impact on whether we get an injury in that area and then of course our weekly mileage and another one that popped up in the research was our body weight now that's something that is probably uh, just not something that I'd be worried about because I think you know, that's just not not my role. I'm a physiotherapist. And yes, if we are carrying an excessive amount of extra body weight, then yes, we are more likely to have an injury. And whether that's an excessive amount of muscle or an excessive amount of adipose tissue, yes, that is going to cause more issues. But something that is really interesting, and again, a whole nother episode altogether, but if we have something like osteoarthritis, that's actually an inflammatory type condition. And our increase in weight, increase in adipose tissue actually interferes with that knee joint and makes it sore, makes it more grumpy and can progress that disease more quickly. And it is completely separate to the actual weight and the mechanical force of your body weight. And it's more about what that adipose tissue does to your body as a whole, because we see it happen in arthritis, progressing more rapidly in our upper limbs and limbs that aren't weight bearing. So upper limbs, we're not putting our whole body weight through them, yet we see those conditions progress more quickly with someone who carries more adipose tissue, despite the fact that they're not mechanically loading that joint anymore. So yes, body weight is a factor for knee injury risk, um, but so is just like being generally unhealthy or carrying excessive adipose tissue is not great for anything. Uh, I am not a dietitian though, and I'm not here to educate or empower you about being your best, healthiest, happiest weight. So gonna just like throw that off to the side, but I did just wanna mention it because it did come up on the um, research and something that is quite funny as well is like 
well, I used to, like there was a period where I'd run with a weight vest. Gosh, I'm like almost embarrassed by myself. I'm like, wow, I was asking for injuries. I would like not run. And then I'd run with this silly weight vest on. And again, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not judging anyone who runs in a weight vest because I think they can be a useful tool. Yet it was silly for me because, you know, like what the heck? It's just way more weight on my joints. And I had knee pain and I'd be running downhill with a weight vest on, basically asking for knee pain. So it's not about necessarily like that it was too heavy, but more the fact that it was more weight than my knee was used to running with. All right, moving on. Summary of that. Um, If you've got knee pain, I would try and do more uphill running. If you've got ankle pain, I'd try and do more flat running. So overall, if we run more or if we run faster, we're going to have a greater risk of injury overall. Yet the sort of terrain that we run on and the way we run and the different strengths and weaknesses that we have, whether it's quads, glutes, calves, is going to determine where we actually get injured. So we're all still going to get injured if we are silly with our running mileage, like running too much too much too soon, um, or if we've got that previous history or if we're really inexperienced, yet where we get injured is going to depend upon types of running terrain and how frequently you do them. So maybe you do like all hills or no hills or whatever it is, um, and then just your general strength that you've got across your body and where, where your biases are. So hopefully that gives you a bit of an idea. And I guess I keep saying takeaways, takeaways, there's just like so many different things that you could get from this, but what I would take from that if you are uninjured is to try and vary your load. So if you're really used to running on the flat all the time, I would try and add in a little bit of hill running here and there. And if you're really used to running slow all the time, I try and add in like maybe once a week, a really short, like 15 or 20 minute um, interval session where you just do like some strides, maybe in the middle of your run or whatever that is. Because the more you can expose your body to variety, the more you're sort of spreading the load out. So let's say when we run faster, we get more load through our calves and Achilles. And then when we run downhill, we get more load through our quads because our quads are working like a decelerator, like a braking force. So we can literally just adjust where we take the most load. So different activities and a real variety of activities is going to spread that load around and help prevent overuse injuries. And as we know, we get overuse injuries all the time. So that can be so, so powerful. And this is something that I now am so super diligent about. I run on the grass, I run on the sand, I run on the concrete, I run uphill, I run downhill. I do some speed stuff. I do some really easy stuff. I really try and get as much variety as possible. Now, as you guys know, I'm recovering from my proximal hamstring tear. So I've been very mindful with how much heels I do. And that's something that I've had to not avoid, but moderate. So consider moderating rather than just avoiding. Now, when I, when I, we're going to move on now a little bit and talk about my experience as a clinician, as a clinician, as a clinician. And obviously I've given you little anecdotes throughout the whole, but I've just made a little bit of a list of my top, my top one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, my top eight tips slash training mistakes that I see. Okay. So we're going to roll through these in a relatively uh, concise manner, which not my strong point, but I'm working on it. So number one, load spiking slash ego ramping. So that is when you go all in and you ramp up your training volume really wild, really hard, and you don't have any consideration for your tissue capacity or your current running condition. So that is number one. Number two, running too fast 
all the time. And that's often something that I see beginner runners do. Every single run is like really hard and really fast. And that almost always ends up in an injury because all your muscles just have to work way harder. So you're constantly finishing fatigued and it's really hard to recover from that when you're doing that every single day. And the other group of people that I see that a lot in is people that are winding up their prep for an event and they're like a couple weeks out from their taper and they just push that little bit harder, that little bit more. And they're like, oh, I can get just that bit more out of my train if I go a bit harder. And it's sort of like quite a vulnerable spot because people have got this big history of volume behind them for the last couple of months, training, building for this event. And they just want to push that bit more out. And it frequently, uh, frequently looks like just running really hard all the time and not actually being productive. Okay, number three, dramatic changes to training type, okay? Now, I said before, variety is the key. Variety is the spice of life, as you guys should all know, in all things, not just running. But if we have a dramatic change from heel running to no heel running or like all trail running to all concrete running or all sand running to suddenly all heel running, if we dramatically change one of our training types, it's a really really great way to get injured and in fact I have a great story story for you on that when I got my first and only stress fracture and hopefully it's my first and last stress fracture I had gone like I was someone who ran on the grass the sand the trails the hills the downhills all of it and then one week I suddenly stopped doing that and I did all concrete running only concrete running and I ran probably 10 to 20 percent faster for all those runs. Now you might say, Lydia, what the heck was that about? And looking back, I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, of course I got injured. Like, why the heck was I doing that? Like hard running means that your body lands softer and actually has to take more load through the muscles, which then causes more load through the bones. And we could delve into that on another episode. Again, another fascinating topic, but basically I just loaded up my bones and I ended up with a metatarsal stress fracture very annoying. But the reason why I did that is because I had a knee injury. So I had a undiagnosed or unofficially diagnosed meniscus tear or potentially some kind of chondral lesion. I'm not entirely sure. Um, but the, the number one potential diagnosis was a meniscal tear. And Oh my goodness, like I couldn't run on the hills at all. So I was like, well, I'm just going to run on the concrete. And it was so silly because I was thinking that I was doing this great thing for my knee. And it was like my knee was feeling so good. Well, kind of good. But obviously dramatic changing to my training type gave me an injury in a different location. So that is a big mistake that I see. Not not everyone do, but I see a lot of people do it. Just like shift load away from one injury and give themselves another injury. All right. Number four, I'm trying to be quick and I'm not doing a great job of it. Number four, dramatic changes to footwear. Now, look, this is actually less common. Don't see it that often, but definitely something to be wary of. And what that would look like is having a shoe rotation and then all of a sudden doing every single run in your new carbon plated footwear. Now, research is still yet to be, you know, fully out slash there's just not really that much yet, but I would just be like not specifically on carbon plated footwear, but I wouldn't suddenly try and change to something dramatic. Now, the other one that we would see would be like going from like a highly cushioned shoe to then suddenly just going barefoot running. And when the barefoot craze started a few years ago, that was like a real thing. Like heaps of people ended up with Achilles issues and stress fractures in their metatarsals because they were running in footwear that their body wasn't used to. 
Okay. Um, number five, <laughs> too many goals at once. And Soph mentioned this in the last episode. And I think that frequently just looks like overtraining and trying to just do too many things. I'm probably definitely a little bit in that <laughs> band camp because I love variety. I love all sorts of different things. And I probably just think that I can do all of them and probably don't do a great job of any of them. In saying that, I also strongly think variety is the spice of life. So, you know, too many goals, it can lead to injuries, but I wouldn't say it's so much from like having your focus split. I would say that it's more from overtraining. So trying to be a really good swimmer or a really good run at the same time is quite hard. Like there was a period where, gosh, I'm really exposing myself. There was a period where I was like trying to build up my running volume for like an ultra type distance and I was also trying to train for my first swimming marathon. So my Sunday would literally look like three hours of running followed by a coffee and then three hours of swimming. And it was okay. I actually didn't get injured in that lead up, but it was not sustainable, partly just because like flipping hell, like I had nothing else. I couldn't fit in anything else. Although in saying that, I love running and I love swimming. So I genuinely loved every second, every minute of it. Um, but it was probably overtraining and it wasn't sustainable for me to do that week in and week out. So I'd be really mindful of having lots of different goals because it's very easy to end up thinking, okay, I can train for like my first, like, I don't know, like a hundred kilo snatch and train for an ultra swim and train for an ultra run. Like you're going to end up doing so much that you're likely to end up with some kind of energy insufficiency and have some kind of overtraining injury. All right, next one. I've lost count on the numbers. No recovery. Okay. Recovery. Oh my goodness, guys. This is huge. Do not forget to recover. Do not forget to take rest days. Do not forget to have a deload weeks. Now rest days, great, but deload weeks are really important. If you're training hard and you're like building up your either volume or intensity, having a week where you deload is really important. Okay. If you're just doing week in and week out and kind of just chilling, you're not going anything wild or crazy. Deload may not, like a deload week where you drop 20 to 40% of your volume may not be as essential. Although I would encourage people to still do it because from a bone density perspective, we can actually get more gains in our bone density by having a full week off running every 12 weeks. There's some good research on that. I'll see if I can find it and link it into the show notes. All right, moving on. Number seven, uh, stress. Now, goodness, again, we could have a whole episode on this, but stress is going to look like uh, sleep issues, alcohol, relationships, work, social, mental health, life, friends, uh, like you name it. There's just so many things that can contribute to our stress. And this is something that, again, (laughs) I feel like I'm just talking to myself in this episode. I mean, I am. I'm literally sitting at home chatting to myself, but with people hopefully listening. But Yeah, I'm I'm exposing myself again here because that's something that I probably underestimated is when I was really struggling with my mental health, I used exercise as something to help cope and it was fantastic and amazing and wonderful. Yet I've really noticed a big difference. And if my mental health is not great, I am not going to run well. And like running is just going to be like hard. I seem to have more niggles, more pain, just like bits and pieces pop up. And I would say that I've seen a direct correlation with just like general like health 
stuff like bits and pieces of like medical stuff which we won't go into and musculoskeletal injuries I've seen a correlation with that and my mental health hugely like as my mental health has improved over the years again topic for another day I've seen my physical health improve so do not underestimate how stress can affect you and I think often we don't notice uh what we've got sort of as like background stress which is just happening all the time and on the flip side of that consider that sometimes fun and exciting stuff is actually a stressor on the body for example this weekend just gone it was my birthday and I went out for a few drinks and I got very little sleep now I say little sleep I went to bed at one I got up at six so yeah five hours one five yeah something maybe I got up at five I'm not sure I got up not much different to my usual time and that is way less sleep than usual and we know that alcohol inhibits our ability to get into REM so although I had such a fun night and it was so exciting and personally like normally I go to bed at nine I'm really like early to bed early to rise I don't drink I probably seem quite boring to a lot of people but it's just not something that I really do which is no judgment on drinking it's just not usually in my lifestyle so for me that was despite it was so fun and like such a great weekend such a great night I had such a good time lots of dancing lots of hanging out with my friends just so good it was it was still a stress on my body. So less sleep, alcohol for my body to get rid of, like that's a toxin to your system. Um, And then it was just like a different routine. So like even just like sleeping at a different time, your body will not access as good quality sleep. So you'll struggle to get into the same REM if you sleep at a different time. Uh, And then just in general, like waking up and just feeling a bit like, oh gosh, I feel a little bit out of routine right now. (laughs) I feel like that's the most mild way to describe being potentially a slightly bit dusty. Although honestly, I think I was just a bit tired and didn't feel great. But that is a stress despite it being a positive, fun thing. So what I did that day, I still wanted to do my long run, but I wanted to do like 30-ish Ks and I did like 24. So I like dropped it down a little bit. I went a bit slower. I stopped for some drink breaks. I like stopped and like chatted to people. Like the run like happened over like five hours because I like stopped for breakfast. I stopped to watch the Sydney Harbour 10K. I cheered for people. I like walked around the city like my run was like all these little bits and there was like food in between drinking like water (laughs) in between and I found a way to still get any bit of running but also like have a bit of a deload for the body because even though I wouldn't have had an image of like negative bad stress it was just like a stress for my body physically so acknowledge and respect the fact that you know all these things have an impact on our body whether we are aware of it or not and lucky number eight This is one that I've done so many times and it is mistaking cardiovascular conditioning for tendon or bone capacity. So, yep, I've been there. Hand is up. I admit it. I thought that my cardiovascular fitness that I had developed by doing high intensity interval training at the gym and my strength training at the gym was going to allow me to run for miles and miles and miles and have no pain, have no worries and just be able to do that, you know, every week all the time. So, Don't forget that you are only where you are and you're not where you want to be just yet until you put in the work and the time. Moving on team, we are almost finished this episode, which is so exciting because you guys hopefully are listening while you're on your run or whatever it is that you're doing. Maybe you're making dinner. That's when I often listen to podcasts. Um, And we're almost there guys. We're just about to get to the final juiciness. These are my top mistakes that I see 
amongst patients that tend to lead to injury reoccurrence. So you've had an injury and you tend to just get that same injury again and again. Maybe it's maybe it's every couple of months, maybe it's every couple of years, maybe it was like 15 years ago and it just seems to come back and bite you in the bum. These are the mistakes that I see. Now, yes, there's other factors about why you get them again, but these are the big mistakes that I see time and time again that if people were able to eliminate these, I think we would just get way less recurrence of injury. So number one, late diagnosis. And that is when you are putting off going and seeing someone about your injury, that it just goes from a small thing to a big thing. It goes from a niggle or a situation, as I like to say, to a fully fledged, proper, real dig, real dig, real big injury. (laughs) So guys, like do not be that person. Go and see someone. Go and see a physio who specializes in running. I'm going to put my hand up. If you want to come and see me, I am at the running room in Clovelly. And if you put Stronger Stride in to your note when you book in online, you can get your first two consults at 50% off. Uh, But also, guys, you don't have to see me. Just like go and see the person that you know you should see. You probably have a physio in your local area. Hopefully, it should be someone who specializes in running if you are a runner. If you're an AFL player, it should be someone who specializes in AFL, whatever it is. Um, Or just some sort of sporting physio that like sees a lot of runners, you know, like they don't have to be a runner themselves, although I would encourage that. So, yeah, guys, late diagnosis. If we just got onto our niggles straight away, they can go from a niggle to a strength. And that is what I would want for every single person. Niggle to strength. That should be a slogan. Um, Number two, early discharge slash premature rehab completion. So that is when someone comes in, they see the physio once or twice, three times, four times. They do a little bit of work, their pain goes away, and then they're like, sweet, I'm done. I don't need to do any more work. I don't need to see the physio again, blah, blah, blah. And that is what I used to do. I'd go, I'd get a bit of treatment, I'd get a little bit better, pain would drop down to a manageable amount, I'd get about my daily life, I could do a few runs, and I was like, sweet, I'm done, I've done the good thing. And then I just neglected everything and just went about my business. So please remember, guys, pain does not actually reflect your tissue capacity. It has got nothing to do with your tissue capacity. Like pain is created in the brain. If we didn't have a brain, we wouldn't feel pain. So that is not a predictor of like, hey, I've done, I've I finished my rehab. It's really got nothing to do with it. So your rehab should be reflecting your capacity. It should be reflecting your functional ability. So like, what can you actually handle? Not just like, oh, is there pain? Is there not pain? Um, yeah, we can't just use that as a metric to be like, oh, yep, I'm done. I don't need to do any more work. And that's not me here saying like, go and see a physio every day, every week for the rest of your life. It is not about that at all. It's about doing a good job of your rehab. Like go in, do the bloody work, like do a good job of it. Guys, like don't just be like, yeah, it's okay. It's fine. And then get the same injury again in a couple of years time. Do it well and do it once. It's like when you're trying to buy a nice pair of shoes or like boots or something like don't buy the Kmart ones, guys. Come on, like get a good pair of nice shoes from the proper shop or whatever it is. Like don't buy your like, silly like what is it what's the thing like okay this is a good one mountain designs is like the kmart of like the outdoor clothing world so like going to anaconda and buying the home brand like mountain designs thermals now i'm not saying all of them are bad but if you buy like the good quality stuff like it doesn't even have to be high-end but something even just like mac pack or 
I mean, Patagonia, like they had good, this is gosh, a tangent, but they are good quality. You buy it once and you buy good quality and you don't have to buy it again compared to like buying a shitty one and then having to rebuy every like season because it just falls apart. So do your rehab well and you won't have to keep doing it again. Okay. Number three, avoiding the painful activity. Now this might sound a little counterintuitive, but guys, this is like the key to unlocking your best peak physical performance slash your most robust injury-free body. If you if you continue to avoid the painful thing, you're basically just like you're asking your body to get weaker and decondition. Now, that doesn't mean you push through pain, but it means that if something gives you pain in an area, that's probably because that tissue or that muscle, that tendon cannot handle that activity in either the intensity or the volume that you've asked it to. So what we need to do is we need to gradually expose us to that painful or provoking activity in a way that allows our body to gradually adapt over time through, you know, slow progressive overload, getting stronger, improving tissue capacity, blah, 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 all those good things. And then eventually we can handle it. So for example, my proximal hamstring tear, the things that were most painful once I was back running was uphills. Okay. So what do I need to be really mindful of is not avoiding hills and never doing them again, because that's just going to mean that anytime I do want to go up a hill, it's going to be painful and terrible because I'll have deconditioned and my capacity to handle it will just get worse. But instead I'm really mindful about gradually increasing my exposure day by day, week by week to the hills. So little bit by little bit, you get used to it and your body can handle it. It's like exposure therapy for like, I don't even know, like when there's like some kind of, you know, those studies, I feel like we learn about this in high school science. There'd be like a rat and there'd be like a buzzer or something like a bright light or a bug. Maybe it was a bug and a light. I'm not sure. And it would see this light and it would be scared and then it would relax and the light would come again. It would be scared, but not as scared. And the light would come again and like, oh, not so scared. So gradual repeated exposure to the scary thing or the painful thing or the provoking thing gives our body time to adapt and get used to it. So hopefully that makes sense. And if it doesn't, let me know, guys. I'm happy to give you a bit more detail on that. We could do a whole episode on it. But basically, gradually expose your body to it. It's like if you'd never lifted weights before and I said, all right, pick up that barbell. It's 100 kilos. Pick it up. If you've never lifted weights, that is a bloody big weight and you're probably going to injure your back. But if you gradually work up to that over 10 years time or however long it is, you better pick it up and it won't even be a worry. Okay. And lucky last number four of the top mistakes that I see that lead to injury reoccurrence would be being fearful of pain. Now I've spoken about avoiding pain, but now I'm talking about being fearful of it. Now, what I said before, pain does not actually equal tissue damage. Pain is created in the brain. And this is a topic that fascinates me so much, especially within the chronic pain world. Something that outside of running related injuries, I am absolutely fascinated by chronic pain. It's something that is just a whole other world on its own. But it's really important to know that when we experience pain, it's something that we're experiencing in, we're experiencing, and it's, and it's very true for each individual, yet it doesn't actually mean how strong we are, how weak we are, it doesn't necessarily reflect our function. So if we're constantly using pain to figure out where we are along our rehab journey, we're focusing on the wrong thing, okay? We're creating fear in our head, or sorry, we're building fear in our head and 
we're not really focusing on the stuff that we can actually action and change. So I'd encourage you instead to be focusing on function. So what can you functionally do? So for example, it doesn't mean we ignore pain, but instead of me running up a hill and being like, oh my God, my hamstring hurts. I'd be like, okay, my hamstring doesn't hurt if I can run up a hundred meters of elevation. So I'm going to focus on what my current capacity is and what that functionally looks like. So I can, my the, the current, at current, my hamstring is able to handle a hundred meters of elevation. And then in a week's time, it can handle 200 meters. So I'm focusing on what I, my functional output is or my capacity is, as opposed to how much pain I'm in. Because yes, pain is going to be a part. And I do frequently ask my patients to rate their pain, tell me how painful it is 24 hours later, 48 hours later. Yet your rehab journey can't just be about pain. You have to consider what your tissue capacity is and what that functionally looks like. Put those two together, plot it out, progressively overload, do those good things, etc. Okay, guys, we have made it. You have listened all the way to the end of my solo episode. And I'm so excited because we got through it and we've spoken all about why we get injured, where we get injured, different mistakes that we can make in our training and different ways that we can tweak our training to offload certain areas and reload certain areas and overall how we can get less injured and be more robust as runners. I hope you've gotten a lot out of this. I hope you've taken some mental notes or maybe some physical notes. Um, I don't mind a good notebook. Um, but we're not very frequently writing notes on notebooks, especially if you're going for a run and listening to this on your run. Uh, but I'm just really excited to be able to share that information with you because these are all things that I wish that I knew, you know, eight years ago. I just wish so much. And I guess, I don't know, wish is a strong word. I don't wish it would have been so helpful for me. I don't want to be regretful because having that experience has also helped me be a better clinician because I see these mistakes and I try to spot them pretty early with patients because I know I've done them before and I totally relate to all of them. Like I see it all the time and I'm like, guys, come on, like, let's be better than this. Yeah. I'm like, oh gosh, like I get it. Like I'm going to put my hand up and be like, yes, I've been there. I've done it. I've done it all. I've done all the mistakes. So I guess my overall goal is that I can help you get over these injuries because I've had the experiential struggle and I've also read the textbooks, done my physio degree and I treat physios, sorry, I treat physios, I treat runners all day, every day. So I really want to help you guys. If you want to book in and come in to see me in the clinic, if you're in Sydney, come and visit me. I work at the running room um, and you can get 50% off for your first two visits with the code strongerstride. And if not, guys, Uh, review the podcast say that you thought it was fantastic or share it with a friend if you've got a runner that if you've got a runner if you've got a friend that's a runner that is struggling with injury or like recurring injury then please share this episode with them it would mean the absolute world to Soph and I we just love being able to help runners it's something that we are so deeply passionate about and that is a strong thing for me to say I very infrequently say love and passion together but Yeah, it's how I feel. I really genuinely love to help people because I've struggled with it myself and running or moving, being connected, being in nature, like all that means so much to me. And I know it means a lot to you too. So if we can be more robust, more resilient physically and mentally, we're just going to be able to get out and live our best running lives. So whether you're a weekend warrior, a top gun, ultra elite, whatever that looks like, whatever it is, we can do this together. 
So thanks for listening, guys. The links will be in the show notes for the research. And if you want some Tailwind, uh, you can get 15% off. Tailwind is a carb and electrolyte mixed drink, which is fantastic for your long runs. Highly recommend. And that is about it from me. Thank you, guys. Have a wonderful weekend. Happy Sunday. Happy